Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. On today's episode, you will hear from Jeannie Walters, CEO and founder of Experience Investigators. If you Google her name, you will find her everywhere. She is so successful and on a mission to create fewer ruined days for customers. Gotta love that. But how do you actually do it? Well, she tells you how, as well as ways to identify at-risk customers. Who are they? And how do you know that they're going to leave so you can prevent that from happening? She shares five methods for you to actually apply wherever you work. You'll also hear her talk about CX mission statements. What is that? Why is it important? How best to create one? I have one request. Please follow Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channel and tell others. It would mean a lot. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Jeannie Walters. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Thank you so much, Stacey. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am so happy, elated that you are here (laughs) because you are truly, I'm not just saying it, a superstar and a woman leader. We don't have enough of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. And likewise, I mean, we're we're in this together, right? This is a sisterhood. (laughs) It it really is. And um, well, so I know who you are, but let's tell the world, who are you? What do you do? Sure. I'm Jeannie Walters. I am founder and CEO of Experience Investigators. The mission of our company, which is also my personal mission, is to create fewer ruined days for customers. And we live that mission by doing a few things with clients. We help our clients define meaningful customer experiences that move their business forward. And we do that through consulting, coaching, advisory services, as well as I do a lot of keynote speaking, workshops, training, content development, all that jazz as well. Why? What is your why? Why do you why are you so passionate about mm-hmm. it? I love this question because this came up when I started this company in 2009. I had a friend who literally was kind of perplexed. <laughs> and she said, "Of all the things in the world, why are you so passionate about this?" And that's really what drove me to create that mission of creating fewer ruined days for customers because I started thinking about how, you know, when we have a negative experience, even if it's a small one, even if it's just something that kind of makes our day a little delayed, but not terrible, all that negativity kind of adds up throughout a day. And then we bring that negativity out into the world. And I really believe that we do that on both sides of the equation. So we do that as customers, but we also do that as people who serve customers, who interact with customers. So that's all of us, right? Like every single one of us fits into those categories. And so when I think about it, I'm passionate because I feel like, gosh, if we could make something a little, you know, less effort for somebody, a little more joyful, then we're going to create more positivity in the world. And that creates a better world for all of us. I agree 100%. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. What's one fact that many people might not know about you? Yeah, I always get stumped by these questions. And I think it's because I'm always like, here's me. I just put everything out there. Uh, But I guess people might not know that I'm also passionate about continuing to learn and grow in 
ways beyond customer experience. That's a big part of it. But um, I'm really passionate about speaking. And so I do a lot of education and work on just trying to make sure that I am staying up with expectations and delivering on content that will be meaningful. And part of how I do Mm -hmm. that is being a professional member of the National Speakers Association. And this year I'm the Illinois uh, chapter president. So I'm very involved in that. Well, this episode is not about speaking, but while you're there for one minute, Mm -hmm. a lot of people have to speak at work in meetings, whether it's maybe not a big keynote speaking, but we all have to deliver a message. Is there something that you've learned in your speaking education and learnings that to deliver a great experience to an audience? Any tips? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a great thing to highlight because we all need to communicate in the best possible way we can. I I mean, it's just like writing. Sometimes you've got to edit more than you write. (laughs) And sometimes you have to really kind of be concise because otherwise people stop listening to you. And one of the biggest compliments I ever got was, well, you don't talk a lot in meetings, but when you do, I listen. And that has always stuck with me because I thought there are a lot of people who talk a lot and don't get heard. So that's what I would suggest. Yeah, well, communication, we probably can spend the entire time (laughs) together on this topic because when I read thousands and thousands of surveys and social media reviews and and all of that, it, it always comes down to responsiveness, communication, follow through. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is really true. If you're not intentional about it, it mm-hmm. affects CX. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have yet, like in all the workshops and everything that I've done, Anytime I'm working with a specific organization, communication always comes up as an issue, both inside and to customers. And so I think that is, it's really the backbone of everything we do in customer experience. How are we living up to those expectations? How are we communicating that? How are we communicating? If we don't live up to those expectations, that all comes together in customer experience. What gets in the way? Why is communication an incredibly huge pain point. I mean, think about any relationship you have, right? Like, this is not easy. Humans don't necessarily know how to read each other's playbook right away. We communicate differently because our brains work differently, because we interpret things differently, because we can only see through our own two eyes. We can only experience things as ourselves. And so customer experience, often we talk about, well, you've just got to walk in their shoes. But really what we're talking about is here are some best practices to try as hard as we possibly can to walk in their shoes. And when it comes to communication, I think we often skip the step where we're thinking about their intentions, hearing it and receiving that communication. And so we start from that place of here's what I want to get out instead of thinking about what do they need to take in. And so it's flipping that script again. It's making sure you're using that lens and really looking at things from that that communicatee's <laughs> perspective as well as the customer's perspective. Brilliant. And I also realized I was having this conversation this week with Ian Golding about all about empathy. And we mm-hmm. know that's the that's the word of the year. And 
It's one thing to say, okay, you need to be empathetic and we know why, but here's the gold that also marries to what you're saying. And that is we have to make time, carve out space Mm -hmm. to be able to think, feel, be empathetic, communicate in the right way. And, And what's happening is we're all like running so fast that because of that, we're not communicating well. We're not empathizing. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. I agree to a point. I think there is, I think there is an argument for both sides of the statement that empathy is a finite resource, because there is there are some studies out there that show that we kind of lose motivation throughout the day, for instance. That's why if you don't work out in the morning, you're a lot less likely to work out by the end of your day because we literally, as humans, lose that motivation. The same has been studied around empathy. However, now they're coming out and they're saying maybe that's not exactly right because there are ways to kind of fill up that cup throughout the day if we're careful about it, which is exactly what you're talking about. Having the space, having the energy to really, you know, take that deep breath when we need it. One of my favorite examples is how um, USAA is the one that I heard about, but I'm sure others do this with their contact center. Sometimes they have a a room outside of it that has like an exercise bike and different things. And they encourage their agents to just go out there and cool off a little bit and then come back to a shift. So I think things like that can be very helpful and intentional. But I also Mm -hmm. think we have to be careful about, about acting like, you know, these these things are just you know on the to do list like oh I'm going to be empathetic this call check we have to really take care of the whole person and of course Jenny Dempsey talks about this in the work that she does around contact center wellness and I think that that's so important because we really do have to take care of the whole person and just as an aside I I happened to go to a routine doctor's appointment not too long ago and the doctor was kind of tired and. She said, I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. She said, I just had a really hard case and I feel like I was wrung out of empathy. And I didn't quite know what she meant by that at the time. Like, was that because they weren't accepting the empathy or was it because, of, but when she was so honest about it, I then had empathy for her, right? I then could, could say, wow, I'm really sorry that happened and kind of give back to her. So I think part of this is being human and being transparent and sharing in this in this world that now we all know, there's no doubt, we all share the same world and we all share the same emotions. And so I think that's part of this too, is what can we give back? What can we encourage people to really be transparent about? Because at the end of the day, we are all humans. That's an amazing example and demonstrates that the value of transparency, the value of communicating to be able to receive the support we need mm-hmm. and have the dialogue of understanding. Mm-hmm. And then wow. have more empathy to give, right? That's the ultimate goal too, so. Yes. So now shifting gears, companies have value statements. You talk about CX mission mm-hmm. statements. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah, th- I'm super passionate about this because I think that without this, everything else is harder in customer experience. And essentially what I saw over and over again was that I would walk into these you know, big companies and they would have their, 
their mission statement or their vision or their values kind of etched in marble as you walk in the front door, or they would have fancy posters with really, you know, inspirational photographs. And first of all, they were all way too long. (laughs) So you could look at them and think, well, yeah, that's nice. But then you would walk away and not be able to remember it. Or they were totally focused on the business. And many of them never mentioned customers, never mentioned anybody outside of sometimes shareholders were mentioned, but they didn't really mention what are they trying to do for their customers. It was about being best in class or being the top, whatever. And what I started doing was thinking about what what is it that makes the companies who do this really well what makes them different? And I started doing some research on this and found that, you know, when you compare some of the airlines, the ones who mention passengers, the ones who mention customer service, they do better at customer experience. They have better business results based on customer experience. So w- we came up with kind of a formula of how to create a customer experience mission statement based on who, you know, what is the promise that you're making as part of your brand promise, but then also who are you to your customers? all the time. How can you show up for them? So that means we encourage people to avoid the est words, right? The superlatives, the, you, you can't always be the fastest. And so don't say you can be. So instead, think about who you are and who your customers are and, and who can you be to them? So one of my favorite examples is a law firm that basically realized, you know, they can't say that they're always the winningest or the whatever. But the feedback we got was that their their clients basically said, you know what, I went to some other firms and they talked down to me, but you guys didn't. And so they created a mission statement around listening and learning with humility. And I just love that because it basically says, this is who we are no matter what. So that isn't just the lawyers. That's the people who answer the phone. That's the people who send out the invoices. That's everybody in the organization. And that's really what customer experience is all about. So a mission statement makes every other decision that you make, it makes it easier as you go forward and improve in your own customer experience maturity. All right, listeners, you need a CX. (laughs) mission statement. And I love what you said. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And it it probably takes a lot of time to get it right mm-hmm. and, and make it fit. Yes, yes, yes. And this is a hard one, right? It's like branding or anything else where you can, you can fight over words <laughs> and um, people get very passionate about certain phrasing and things like that. But you know, at the end of the day, we have to remember that perfect is the enemy of done. And sometimes you start with V1 and you see how it feels and you try it on for a while and then you move on to version two, right? But the other thing is we have to remember that this isn't about something pretty. This isn't about something that we just put on a poster. This is something that you want every single person in your organization to internalize and use as a tool. And using my mission statement as an example, I mean, we kind of have shorthand in my organization about creating fewer ruined days because we make decisions on who do we work with? Is is the work that we do going to help us live this mission? And if not, why are we doing it? If we are making decisions about who to bring on our team, how do we hire? What does the job posting look like? That all comes back to that mission statement. And that's what can be so powerful about it. So it's definitely something to think about how you will use as well, because that's when you start getting creative about making sure it's something that everybody can sort of tuck inside their heart. I want to go back to something you just said about hiring. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, this becomes your North Star. Nate Brown and I were just talking about CX as a team sport and how do you recruit the right people? 
And I'm curious your perspective on this because I know that in different companies, we don't always hire customer-centric people. They bring in the terminology and they try to sound like they know what they're talking about, but they're really checking a box or trying to, they're not really walking the talk. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what are some of the questions that you would recommend people to ask, Mm -hmm. you know, in their interview process to really know that they've got it, that Mm -hmm. they're really customer centric and to hire right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is, I mean, my husband is a uh, head of a recruiting function, so he, I've learned a lot from him, but this is like a lot of other things where it's really about asking about past behavior too, and not just in a role where they're serving customers. But I like to ask about what was it like when you were a customer? What frustrated you? What were some moments where somebody earned your business back that you didn't expect? And tell me about that experience. Because I think then you'll hear that kind of connection to understanding what happened. And just like we were talking about with the doctor, like that back and forth dialogue of empathy, I I listen for that sometimes. And then when it comes to, I think, what's happening now in today's market, the younger generations, especially Gen Z, they they are saying they will not work with anybody who does not align with their values. And instead of other generations who we all kind of compartmentalized, frankly, we all said, yeah, we believe that, but we're going to put that over here while we do this work. Gen Z is looking into everything about the company. They're they're forcing transparency and visibility. And I think that's why it's so important to know who do you want to be for your customers and what are your values around customer experience and put those out into the world because then you'll attract the right people who say, yes, this is, this is me. I want to align with this. And that's where you get those people who inherently are already bought in and they're going to bring something special for who they are and make it all better. Yes. And going back to, I love you brought up Gen Z because I have two of them in my family. Me too. (laughs) Okay. And so going back to communication, holy, we have to learn how to play together or work together because they, one of my kids doesn't look at email very much Mm -hmm. or as much. He's going to learn that that's essential, <laughs> but texting mm-hmm. and, you know, quick, quick messages. And, and we, you know, use that for, I'll be home at dinner at six o'clock, not, mm-hmm. not conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk about communication. We really need to figure this out. Yeah. I, I guess I, I am from the school of thought that like, we will figure it out because we have to. <laughs> and so you look at some of the changes that the pandemic created, right? Like baby boomers were the biggest group to adopt and adapt to digital transformation opportunities. Nobody saw that coming. They thought they were creating something for one group. And instead the baby boomers were like, well, I can't go to the store. I'm going to figure out how to order my groceries. I'm going to do this. Now that they're doing it, they are in, they like the convenience, all those things. So I think the same thing can be said about how we communicate. And I like even in my company, we we avoid email when we can. We use we use Slack, we use texting, we use some, you know, shared collaboration things. And I think that's really where we're all going too, because we we use things until they don't work anymore and then we stop using them. And I think there's been so much around email. You and I were just talking about our inboxes, right? Like there, there is so much that now we have to move on in order to be as efficient as possible. And I think maybe the 
the next generation will teach us how to do that. And I think that's really exciting. I think that's what, when we talk about customer journeys sometimes and we try to segment and get really specific about who's doing what, I always come back to, you know what, if you give people what they need, the the rest of it almost doesn't matter. You you can you can bring people options and make sure that they have options based on their preferences around communication. But if you guide them in a certain way, they will go ahead and adapt to what's next. Yes. And we also need sensitivity to even just different cultures. And I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. It, it's almost funny. So where I work, there's they're all over the globe. And I used a phrase that we wanted to deliver white glove service. Mm-hmm. And a few people in the room looked at me like I had 10 heads. What do you, <laughs> and I said, what? They said, white glove service? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. They said, like, you don't want to get your hands dirty? I said, no, 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 total opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Completely opposite. Like, this is like premium service. Like, so I tell that because we don't realize Mm -hmm. interpretation. We've got to be very sensitive. So when we're talking to customers, we don't give them the wrong perception. That's right. That's right. And I love that you brought this up because I think we've all had these moments where sometimes you think, oh, of course, where... I was presenting to a company, they were in the United States, but there were a few people in the room who had not been born in this country. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I used a baseball metaphor. I talked about a home run. And one of them came up to me and said, I really don't understand baseball at all. (laughs) And I felt so bad because of course, right? So I think it's a really good point because as the world gets smaller and as we get more connected, we have to really think about those phrases, think about different ways that we communicate and make sure that we are being as inclusive as possible. One of the things I started practicing is for personas. I often now won't give them a gender. I won't give them a name that has a gender. I will give them uh, initials. And that started because, you know, I started realizing like, we're in this world where we have to be sensitive to that. Not everybody is going to identify in the same way. And I don't want to alienate people because we just happen to call this person one gender or the other. And the other thing is, if you're in B2B, sometimes that is an unconscious bias about who the leaders are or who is in certain roles. And I wanted to be aware of that too. So I think it's a great point because as in the work we do, we have to be constantly aware of how do we include more people into these discussions because that's how we get better results. Yes. Wow. I bet not a lot of people, this is going to be eye-opening <laughs> for many people because it's true. Like persona development and journey mapping are the the basis of CX. Mm-hmm. So now we're infusing diversity, inclusion, and equity mm-hmm. into CX. And this is a perfect example of how it comes together. Yep, yep. And I think the other thing that is a really interesting conversation about this now is how do you guide people through like different forms or different digital journeys and allow more ways to address them so that they feel like they're included. And, you know, I've noticed at our, I have two sons, they go to high school I've noticed that our teachers on Parent Night often will say your students instead of your sons and daughters, instead of your children. And it's a conscious decision so that they make sure everybody's included. And I was very impressed by that when I went through as a parent because I thought, you know, that's 
that's being sensitive to a lot of different ways that people yeah. might be thinking, feeling and thinking at, you know, at this journey through life. And they were able to address it with a really simple, elegant solution. And I think sometimes that's what we aren't thinking of is that simple, elegant solution. Like, let's not overcomplicate it. Let's just call it what it is. Well, and also admit what we don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Don't know. So I'm going to take the safe path, but also, can you teach me? Mm-hmm. And that could be even to your customer. You can say, you know, I'm not sure. And I really care to learn. Mm-hmm. Boy, talk about yeah. nurturing a relationship. Yep. And that goes with things like names, right? Wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Can you say your name for me? Things like that can go a long way towards showing that I'm seeing you as a whole person as well. So with this now in mind, what does at-risk customer mean to you? Yeah, I think this is one of the areas where we talk a lot about it in customer experience, but it's hard to define sometimes because what I hear about in customer experience when we talk about at-risk customers I bet we've all had that experience where we called as a customer and said, I'm going to cancel my service. It's too expensive. And they say, hang on, you need to talk to one of our loyalty specialists. (laughs) And you know exactly what that means. It means that they're like, you know, danger, red flag. We have somebody who might be leaving. We're going to pull out all the stops so that they don't leave us because we know that if we keep them as a customer, that is more valuable to us. But there is so much that happens before that moment. And if you're not paying attention then that's, you know, you're kind of backs against the wall when a customer is trying to leave you. So there are five things I think about with customer churn and different ways to think about it. And the first is we want to identify what happens when a customer defects. And what I mean by that is, let's say you you have that person, they leave. If you're not paying attention to what are the patterns here about why people are leaving, what behavior happened before they left, all of those things, then you won't be able to trigger things in advance. And the next idea here is that you want to set up some alerts for behavior that is leading to that exit. So that could be things like, you know, lower engagement or lower usage. It can be things like if they start drifting away from, you know, I call when they're ghosting their account managers in B2B or they're ghosting different folks, that's, that can be a trigger. So when you're looking for those things, you can really look at, okay, if this happens once, we're going to set up a pattern for this to address it. You also, to get this right, we have to know the ideal journey. And this is where journey mapping comes in. If we know what the ideal journey should look like, then we should be able to identify where those at-risk moments that we can really turn up the volume and make sure that we are paying attention and not neglecting our customers. Because I think a lot of this happens because of neglect, not because of something horrible. It's just neglect. And that's so important. And then exit interviews. I'm a huge fan of exit interviews because customers will tell you why they left if you ask them. Not always, but sometimes. And you know, the last one I think is super important because the more marketing-driven our companies become, the more what happens is we kind of see different groups as like customers or not customers. And the not customers are sometimes segmented further into how they go through your website or things like that. But we don't treat them like they were customers as former customers. And so if you have the customers who leave you, treat them like friends, treat them like you've already had a relationship because you did. And I think that's an area where if we can just nurture that a little bit, 
it's much easier to, you know, keep them posted about the changes you're making that maybe they're waiting for so that they can come back to you and be a customer. I love that. There's two things. One is I just interviewed, do you know Neen? Oh yeah, Neen James, sure. Okay, so she was on my show and we talked all about attention pays. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you just said everything that compliments <laughs> our conversation, like as if you were listening. Yeah. Because for you to really identify at-risk customers, you do have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think that's the kind of secret of great customer experiences is that they're really paying attention. And there are so many of us who have been customers who have quietly left right? We have not made a big deal. We have not stormed out the door and said, I will never do business with you again. We're not that dramatic as people. And so we just kind of quietly shift to another brand. We quietly close our account. And we do that because we know nobody will notice. We know that nobody's going to reach out and say, oh my gosh, Stacy, you're so important to us. And that's kind of the crime of it because we work so hard as business people to get these customers. We invest so much in customer acquisition. And then when they are loyal customers who aren't making a stink, we basically neglect them. And that's where I think there's so much opportunity. And really, that's the advantage of great customer experiences. I want to add one more thing. And it, I say this almost holding back tears not only do you need to interview lost customers as they're leaving or as they left, but also employees. Mm -hmm. There are so many people leaving companies now. And how many I ask them, did you have an exit interview? And they say, no. Mm -hmm. That breaks my heart for them and breaks my heart for the ones left behind. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great opportunity. I mean, it really is. And I think most people, Number one, like to be asked, period, about anything. And number two, want to help. And so if you're asking them for an exit interview because you really are asking them for their opinion, they're going to want to help you there. And, and then that helps everybody. So I totally agree. We have to do this on both sides. How about the fact that they might be a customer of your brand? Yep. And you don't ask them. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, <laughs> the <amplification laughs> effect of that. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. So last two questions, this went too fast, but <laughs> here we are. So if I had tons of CEOs and entrepreneur owners of businesses and managers in my room right now, what's the one thing you would want them to know, the one takeaway? Get a CX mission. Make sure you know your mission for customer experience because it makes everything else easier. Love it. And now here's a fun question, personally or professionally. If you could go back to your younger 20-year-old self, based on what you know now that you didn't realize then, what would you tell the younger Oof. you? I think like most of us, I would say, don't worry, it's going to work out. <laughs> and. Uh, just to enjoy the everyday. I think there is so much that we are privy to just as humans who walk the earth. And if we can really find joy in every day, then 
your awareness goes up, your gratitude goes up, and I think that's the path to being happier. So that's that's what I would say to my angst-ridden 20-year-old genie. <laughs> <laughs> and may our kids hear this too. Yes. Yes, for sure. For sure. I'll have to play it for them. (laughs) Well, thank you. I know that people are going to want to find you and I'll add it in the show notes, but share what's the best way. Yeah. Experienceinvestigators.com. We have tons of resources, including our Year of CX, which is at yearofcx.com. You can get that workbook for creating your own mission statement there. Oh, Awesome. What a gift. Well, you are a gift and (laughs) I am so appreciative of you being here. Thank you so much, Stacey. Keep up the great work and thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacy Sherman, doing CX right. <laughs>